Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. What's up, Fungal Associates? Welcome to Completely Arbitrary, the podcast about trees and other related topics. I am one of your hosts. My name is Alex Croson. I'm sitting alongside... Casey Clap. Casey Clap, indeed. You, you waved your hand at me. I knew that was my cue. Yes, I gave you a sort of a no, now, presenting... Now? Casey, now? <laughs> say something? Which Hi! Different from my usual wrap it up symbol. Yeah, exactly. Usually, like Casey, it's been three hours. I have to edit this down to two. Yeah. And then edit another hour off that. Anyway. Hi, Casey, how you doing? Alex, I'm doing great. I, I'm just feeling nice. How are you? I'm okay. Yeah? I'm a little under the weather. Mm, yes, uh, we are. Uh, well, yes, for a couple of reasons. Yeah, it's true. Casey, we like we want okay, we want to reveal something here. Everyone. Casey and I have been a little sick lately. Mm-hmm. We had COVID. COVID nineteen. <laughs> yeah, it was the worst. Casey and I got positive. COVID, yeah. Um, right after the live show, actually. Yeah. So that we were both like, <gasps> and then boom, we were all like, well, now we're not going to talk for about two weeks. Yes. Casey and I celebrated the end of the live show. Yeah. He got a phone call and immediately it was like, <laughs> I tested positive. The energy was like, sucked from the room. Uh, yeah. So Casey and I both tested positive. Um, we did our part. I've been inside for uh, 15 days because right yeah. after I finished my quarantine, I got food poisoning. Yeah, that honestly, we were going to get back together that day because then we both uh, were done with our quarantine periods. Yeah. Oh, uh, well. Didn't happen. I, I, I got back to back there a bit and it still has it's still it's still with me this yeah. food poisoning yeah yeah and you know what the covid's still with me i think because it's it's I, I don't know it feels it feels to me like it's just a lingering like clearing out of my whole body system uh-huh. yeah but you know tested negative so everything's good there and the good. uh the rest of the the rest of my body's great so it was no fun but i can certainly imagine how if anyone you know was like i mean you had a, you had a pretty rough time with it I can yeah, just it imagine. Wasn't, it, it wasn't that. It wasn't, uh, yeah, it was bad. Yeah. Uh, but I am also <laughs> vaccinated. So. Yeah, me too. So that's, uh, yeah, we just scheduled my booster. So get yeah. your boosters, you guys. They they really work. Yeah. And anyway. we're recording this in advance. So by the time you hear this, we will have both gotten boosted. Yeah, exactly. So sorry. Um. Yeah, get vaccinated, get boosted. Don't get COVID. It sucks. <laughs> yeah, it's no fun. But Casey. Meanwhile, Alex. We're not here to talk about COVID we're necessarily. We're not here to talk about that. We have other things to talk about. That's right. Specifically I'll, trees. I will say, 
I did drink a lot of orange juice while I had COVID. Oh, that's good. And today we're talking about the Osage Orange. Yes, we are. How's that for synergy? Really good synergy, except for like some technical aspects to it. It's not an orange. <laughs> uh, Alex, thanks a lot. You know what? You ruin everything I say on this show. Oh my you just God. Just suck it right up. That's no, you, really an overstatement. Yeah, that's, that is. You actually don't ruin anything. You bring it up. I improve it. You improve it significantly. It's like taking a rock and putting it through a tumbler, and then when you get done with it, it's a shiny golden piece of, of beauty. Of aluminum. That's what it feels like. A, aluminum. a hunk of That's aluminum. You just take a cans, crush them, and put them in like a rock tumbler for a couple weeks. Yeah. <laughs> Come back. It'll, yeah. Be, it'll still be there. Yeah, it'll be beautiful. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Case today we're talking about the Osage Orange. We are one of my favorite trees. Which uh, the scientific name? Maclura palmifera. Maclura. Yeah. Isn't that a good name? Is this named after somebody named it, McClure? It is. He was another, uh, I think, actually, funny enough, I think he was another Scottish botanist. What's up with all these Scotch bots? Honestly. I think they're just everywhere doing all sorts of stuff. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm sorry. He was an American, uh, but he might have had, ge- you know, you know, he might have had a genealogy that goes back to Scotland. Probably, probably at least four percent Scottish. Yeah. His name is William. Oh. Anyway, uh, is a reference, of course, to William Wallace, the most famous Scotsman of all time. Oh yes. Yeah. The bastard of the North. Oh God, that's that guy. Was that his name? I don't think so. Actually, no. I might be I'm, thinking of John Snow. I think you're thinking of John Snow, which is is pretty unrelated. But you know what? Maybe I don't know. I don't know. We'll really have, we'll we'll have to we'll put a pin in this for later. Unrelated. His name is William McClura. He's born 1763, died 1840. Okay. Yeah. Apparently, he did something that was worth noting that his name should go onto this tree. Well, Casey. Let's imagine, as we do every episode, that you and I are walking through a Florida swamp. Oh. Is that uh, where these would grow? Not even close. <laughs> but let's keep imagining anyway. You, you drag yourself out of the Florida swamp. Uh-huh. You go a couple hundred miles to Texas. Yeah. <laughs> you, sit in a, yeah. you sit in a dry, a dry, uh, a dry path next to a, a large body of water. Well, hey, with climate change. Hey, yeah, there you go. Could be everywhere. Yeah, yeah, You're startled to find this Osage orange <laughs> tree in a swamp in Florida. <laughs> and uh, Casey, as we do every episode, let's ID this tree, my let's, man. Let's get it done. So the first thing about this is... It's a tree. It's a small tree, but yeah. it's not. Uh, it's not so small that you'd be like, "Is this tree? Is this not a tree?" In fact, some some uh, some things I read said that it is like could be a large shrub. I mm. I uh, I one hundred percent disagree. In fact, I I reject it outright. Wow, this is a tree. Sometimes it can grow as a hedge. That's like I think where they're getting this. It's famous for being planted in hedges. Okay. So it's it's a tree, first and foremost. Much like Tarantino, you're rejecting their hypothesis. Yes, exactly. It is moot. Got it. So it's a uh, it's a large tree. It's deciduous. It is also dioecious, so it has female and male plants on either uh, either thing. Stamina and pistillate kind of flowers. Um, deciduous, short, adorable little tree. Gets about maybe 60 feet tall. This isn't going to outcompete a Doug fir. It's not even going to outcompete a big leaf maple for anything. It's probably not even going to outcompete almost any tree, and that, we'll talk about that in a second. Okay. But it's a small tree. It's got these really cool leaves that I really like. They're kind of like uh, elongated diamond with a really like sharp, it's called an acuminate tip, where the tip just goes whoop and gets really long and pointy. An acuminate tip. Yeah, that would be the thing where it, it accumulates as a tip. Uh, okay. Honestly, I'm kind of making up that. Don't don't uh, don't don't write down that uh, that that uh, uh, the the terminology line I just made there. Uh huh. 
I don't know if that's one hundred percent true, but I like the idea of. Oh, it. I see the description of that of that term. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, you know that's interesting. I look at this leaf and I think, I don't. I guess it looks a little extra pointy. Yeah. All right. Well, that's fine. It's, it's fine. A, it's an EP leaf. It's all an right. extra pointy leaf. There you go. Yeah, it's an EP. Yeah, we're gonna have an LP leaf here. But does that get Long extra points? Point. Uh, oh, well, we're gonna have to find out. Stick around to the end. We'll be right back with more completely. <laughs> no. So, um. It's got these cool leaves. It usually has a really long petiole. So the leaf blade mm. and the petiole are about the same distance, usually the same the same length. Um, at least that's how I was taught about it. And at the base of each one of these little uh, leaves, which are alternately arranged, is a little spine that develops right, right in that axle where that leaf comes out. Okay. And so uh, the first thing to, to put in the back of your brain for this talk we're going to have today is it is an armed tree. It's going to fight back if you try and eat its leaves. Thus, it's hedge. Uh, it's good at, for hedges. Yes, exactly, because it would send out all these little spines, not to mention the wood is really, really strong. So, again, not a very big tree, but it will get, like, wide, you know? Like, it's not going to get gigantically tall, but it will get kind of thick. Yeah. And, you know, 60 feet tall, that's, that's going to be the size of a several-story building already. So, you know, it'll, uh, it'll get there. It'll be a tree enough in its own right. And then as it gets older, it gets this really big, broad canopy, very circular hmm. like almost a standard tree like you know you see a kid like draw uh draw like a, a circle on top of a brown thing yeah oh, it's clearly a tree good job kid that's a no size this orange. is a no size orange yeah it just gets big it gets circular its bark though becomes a really dark reddish gr- uh, reddish color hmm. and it's really hard like it's a tree that is famous for never decaying even if you just take it and put it straight in the ground it just doesn't decay for hmm. a really long time and it has this like beautiful coloring to it, especially when you first cut it. It like has this kind of like yellow, like bright, bright coloring wow. right when you cut it. But then as soon as the uh, as soon as it kind of ages a little bit, gets hit by ultraviolet light, kind of fades to a normal kind of wood color, oh, sort of gray brown. This is interesting in the way that a piece of fruit might brown, mm-hmm. but that's oxidation. Yeah, that's so this a is different. not oxidation. This yeah. is uh ultravioletation yes ultravioletation got it that's exactly what it is you're good i'm you're pretty good, good. Um, i got a knack <laughs> you, you know what you do that's why that's why we brought you in here <laughs> someone with your kind of pizzazz i got a nap <laughs> we all got a nap that's the one thing that's nice about covid you can sleep all the time that's true it's like no 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 just keep sleeping <laughs> boy did i do some <laughs> sleeping um so let's see this other thing that is interesting about this tree the part that I think most people are are quite enamored with. Oh yes, is the orange of the Osage orange. Now, Alex, I just hold hold on a second here. Oh God, Casey's going in. Don't say it. Casey there just tossed you me. Go. And oh, you say Osage? Osage orange. An Osage orange. That is an Osage orange. It's a little bit. It's what a little bit hell? roughed up. It usually isn't that like brown. I'll, we'll take some pictures and post them. You know what, Casey? I'm I'm torn. What? The last few episodes, I feel like the ma- the majority of the last ten episodes. Okay, you have had a reveal. <laughs> I'm yeah, your business okay. partner. Yeah, I'm your podcast partner. Yes, and I approve. <laughs> yes, we got the stump of approval on this Osage Orange. <laughs> um, <laughs> Alex, could you give us a description of what you're holding in your hand right now? I'm holding a. I would say it's about the size of a navel orange. Yeah. Uh, your average navel yep. orange. I would go. Uh, I would go with a softball size. 
Uh, I would say it's smaller than a softball. I it would say somewhere in between a baseball and a softball. Uh, yeah, okay, yeah. So, uh, I would say about three hybrid. inches in diameter. Yeah, and they are they get a little bit bigger and a little bit smaller. Okay. So this is not the biggest one. And uh, collected this on the last uh, road trip that we had. Okay. In um, this was in Northwest Arkansas is where I got this one from. You but brought I, it all the way from Arkansas. Yeah, and it looks that good. No wonder it's <laughs> <laughs> fucking brown. Um, yeah, poor thing. It's it's natural color. The green is a great is a great light green. Oh, it's beautiful. It's like this like light uh, lime green yeah, kind of thing. It's it looks limey. like a lime that's not quite ripe. Mm-mm. Yeah, it's bright that bright lime, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, light colored. Uh, it's very bumpy, but it's it's bumpy in a way. That it's also smooth. Yeah, so like the bumps aren't very like big, and there's so many of them to where it just kind of feels like a smooth, kind of corrugated kind of surface. Yeah, it's not like the bumps are on something smooth. It's yeah. just made of bumps. Exactly. It is just bumps. It looks like a... Perfect have you seen a worm ball? Mm, I don't think so. Like worms will sometime like... It's, it looks like a just a big ball of worms. I don't think I've ever... I mean, I think I've seen pictures of that, but that yeah. would be about it. This looks like a maggot ball. I, Oh, gross. Just Alice. a bunch of maggots. That's what you see right should, now? Should we eat it? No. <laughs> no. All right. Well, that was my wow. description of the Osage Orange. I, I'm Now I'm just like picturing a rat king. Do you know what, that, you know what a rat king is? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Gross. Like pizza rat? Uh, no. <laughs> now that's like the king of the rats. Right. A rat king is when all of their <laughs> tails get uh, get um, it, like knotted together. It doesn't, oh, it doesn't yes. really happen, yes. but like there's urban legends of rat kings. Right. Yeah, just wild. I know of this from ologies. Ah, yeah, there you go. You know, the pizza rat is the bastard of the East. Yeah, it totally is dragging a pizza down from the Erie. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, I just love that idea. Anyway, Alex, I your description, I think, is is pretty good. Although the, the, the ball of maggots, that doesn't quite... That doesn't quite do it for me. To each their own. I guess that's fine. Your Osage oranges are your Osage oranges. Thank you. Your poems are your own. Your your pomiferas are your own. Permi- I'm, I'm going to stop. We got to use poems are your own when it's food related. Yeah, exactly. Well, so this is, in a technical sense, not food. Like uh, right. it's, it's considered inedible. Um, but what does inedible mean? Eh, it just means it doesn't taste very good. I've heard reports that it tastes kind of... Um, what was it? It was in a book uh, by Connie Barlow that we're going to talk about in a bit. She mm. described it as um, the f- as if you're eating an air freshener. Like that's <laughs> that's the taste. Eesh. I don't think the texture is quite there. But famously, if you cut it in half, it has this really like oozy, milky uh, latex kind of sap. Oh, great! That comes out. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty intense. She said it. You know, dissolves in your mouth. It's not. It's not that oh, bad. Okay. But I just can't imagine that the flavor is incredible. Horses, they don't like it. Most animals don't like it. It's just this big, gigantic, you know, half the time softball-sized fruit that apparently fall all at once from the tree. And again, these are there are uh, it's dioecious, so it has a plant that has all the fruit and uh, only the female considered flowers, and then you have the male flowers, which only produce the pollen, the po- the uh, the staminate flowers. Casey, recently I was reading a uh, a book by George R. R. Martin. Oh, it seems like an obscure author. <laughs> called the Night. Uh, a Night of Westeros. Yeah. It's the dunk and egg. It's the book uh, he wrote yeah. in between the books he was supposed to be writing. Oh, yeah, that one where he's basically like, I'm just going to take a vacation right now. Yeah. And never write, a book. write this book. Uh, they're novellas, technically. They're oh, great. God. And uh, one of the characters 
uh, when they they need to forage for food, uh-huh. and he says, "Don't eat anything your horse won't eat." Ah, and yeah. I thought I should tell this to Casey because it seems, especially, and now's a perfect time. It's a great opportunity. Uh, if your horse doesn't eat the the berries off the tree, it might be a good indicator that you should also it's, not. You eat should the also off the tree. not eat it. Yeah. That's that's very fair. I think that's true. Although the I feel like horses have a wide a wide idea of what they can eat. So I would wonder, like. If your horse doesn't eat it, you also should not eat it. But if your horse does eat it, that also doesn't mean you should eat it. <laughs> right. Don't eat it, yeah. basically. Yeah, exactly. Whatever it is, don't eat it. <laughs> even if you're, even stuff from the grocery store. Yeah, seriously. If your horse is eating it, be careful. Be very careful. <laughs> if your horse likes bread, don't eat it. Yeah. So, let's see. The uh, So, this is the, this is the fruit. It's a it's a gorgeous fruit. It usually has a great like scent to it. I think it's very spicy. Not not spicy, citrusy. Um, it might not be as, as intense right now. It's been drying in uh, in the yurt for a couple days. It smells vaguely of citrus. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Perfect. I should say months, not days. You know what it smells like? It smells like the like um, the pith almost. Like it has a very oh. mellow scent. Okay. Yeah. It doesn't really go crazy. No. It doesn't smell like citrus like peel. Yeah. Just enough to be like citrus. Yeah. Just a, just a little yeah. a little hint. I think that's perfect. Well, I see it, Alex, uh, as 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 a brain. That's that's yeah. that's the vision that I see. And everyone, uh, if you go to our website, we have a little click link that'll go to it, and you can see great pictures. And I it's I think it's a great fruit. I think it's a fantastic fruit. I think it's a fruit that makes this tree worth having anywhere, all the time, ever. Even though it's inedible, and nothing even not even humans eat it. Yes. All right. Yes. Now the question that I know we're all burning and wondering right now is why the heck does this fruit? Why is it so big? In mm-hmm. If nothing eats it, what is the point? It's not that big. It's not that big. I mean, it's kind of big. It's big for anything. Imagine this. What other kind of fruit is as big as this? And let me tell you, they get the size of a softball. I'm not, I'm not joking. Or the size of a grapefruit. I see a picture uh, for scale. I don't want to get hung up on semantics. Hey. All right. A big I'm not fruit. trying to be pedantic. So it, that is as big as, uh, as, as say, uh, a normal apple. Would you agree? Yes. Now, if you're a horse... You could eat. You could eat an apple. Like your mouth is big enough, right? Right. So this tree grows in Texas. Before we get too far along here, did you know that horses that are now in the United States were extinct in North America before they were brought back over by the Spanish? I did know that. You did. Yeah. Okay. So that was that was that's a mind blower. It really is. Like apparently they evolved in the United States or in I'm sorry, not not certainly not the United States. Right. In what is now North America. Yes. And then went over to Asia and then went extinct in North America. Right. So any time there were people over here, horses were never here. And then got transported back yes, from Europe. on big boats from the other direction. They just circumnavigated the world. Hey, they made it home. They sure did, yeah. And happy are they? Yes, they are. <laughs> However, they still don't eat these funny, little, uh, these funny little fruit. But can you imagine, just think through what you have, what else is big enough to eat that fruit? If the tree grew that fruit, right. what was it growing it for? Casey. Alex. A ponderous question. That we will answer after the break. You betcha. We'll be right back with more Completely Arbitrary. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story... 
you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Welcome back to Completely Arbitrary. Today we're talking the Osage Orange, not the Osage Orange, as I called it earlier. Either way, I think is fine, but there's people, they would probably say, we'll tell you how to say our name. I'll say the Osage. Ah, that, I wouldn't go that far. Uh, Casey, you alluded to some kind of animal that might eat this fruit, such as a horse. Such as a horse. But we already know the horses don't eat them. Exactly. So what could this mystery animal be? Gomphothere. I beg your pardon? <laughs> Did you not hear? I said gomphothere. Gomphothere? Gomphothere. I think that's how you say it. Gomphothere. Yeah, but also mastodon. Now we're talking, baby. Mammoth. My favorite Power Ranger. What? That was a Power Ranger? Mastodon? What? Casey Clapp. What? All the, pa- all the original Power Rangers had dinosaur equivalents. Oh, I didn't know that. T-Rex. Oh, I guess, yeah, because they did their, uh, their, then they like morph into those things yes. and things like that. Well, they, they, they used them as, as big mechanical uh, animal robots. Ah, okay. The Black Ranger, his dinosaur was the Mastodon. Uh, which is not a dinosaur. But well, that's, that's fine. I get it. I understand where they're yeah, coming from. Ancient beasts. Yeah, I, that's fair. I mean, it sounds pretty badass, so I'm, I'm, I'm totally with it, to be very clear. And I just remember him saying, Mastodon! <laughs> as he was transforming with the other uh, Power Rangers. Ah, okay, gotcha. Well... As if you give a fuck. I do. No, I do. Don't. I just... No, I like the Power Rangers. I'm just looking at this book. You don't care. I care, Alex. Mastodon. Alex, we're back. We're talking about this interesting tree. And before we, uh, right as we took a break, you're like, oh, Alex, we didn't even, or oh, Casey, we didn't even talk about the, the seeds of this thing. Yes. Or the, what the inside looks That's like. That's right. I, I mentioned that we forgot to talk about the insides yeah. of the fruit. And now I noted that this was, it made all this like like latex, you know, if you cut it open, yeah. it produces like this weird kind of stuff. Uh-huh. I noted also um, that it kind of dissolves, you know, with your saliva. That's because saliva does that. That's, that's what it does, you know, according to this one author. And... Um, Essentially, the idea is that this fruit would have been eaten by something, and the inside is really fleshy. It's not fleshy in a way that, like, we find, you know, very palatable, Mm -hmm. we humans, but also, it's way bigger than our mouth, so why would we ever... The plant certainly didn't make it for something with a mouth as big as ours. Right. Just at a fundamental level. It's just, it's huge. Because for the tree, ideally, something, an animal would eat the whole thing in one. Yes, Not bite it apart like we eat an apple. Yeah, precisely, right? That's And that's why apples, the normal kind that you see in nature, are so small. Yes. Because they're actually hoping a bird is going to come over and eat it, or a deer or something is going to pass through them. Great dot connection. Yeah. So, if we are then saying, why is this thing so big? They've come up with a term uh, that's called a... Uh, evolutionary anachronism or an ecological anachronism. Okay. Are you familiar with the terms? I know anachronism. 
Yeah, like, uh, you know, a thing belonging or appropriate to a period other than that which in, exists. Alex, you're so good at just knowing <laughs> words right off the bat. So something that's anachronistic just means... Uh, it's uh, like cr- out of place uh, in, yes, in time. out of time. Yeah, exactly. Chronologically speaking. So uh, one example that I read was imagine a floppy disk or typewriter in a modern uh, office building. Anachronistic. Yeah, like that doesn't make any sense. Why is that here? Or yes. like the phone that's sitting in your apartment right now yes yeah so it's really for those of you who don't know he's got one of those old phones the little spinny dial that you hold the the little earpiece uh-huh. up and you have to be like operator operator <laughs> there's a fire at the factory <laughs> there's a fire you must get over here yeah my old my building's old as shit i know but i love that they still have those up there i just wish it worked it's a nice touch yeah. i hang my uh, i hang my bag on it yeah it's i think it looks really good there it's pretty good so what we got here is this big gigantic fruit that apparently um is from a different time and we're going to get into it a little bit but you did ask and we're going to cover what this what this looks like now maclura pomerifera the osage orange which i should note is named after the osage indian nation okay yeah down in uh down in oklahoma yeah you got it I'm great s- job <laughs> I'm very sorry for purposely mispronouncing it. I did not know that. <laughs> I knew you didn't, so don't worry. You're going to be forgiven for for the, the lack of Thank it. you, thank you. Um, but yeah, so it's named after this. And man, you gotta you gotta read through their history. It's it's a, of course tragic, but it's a very interesting history mm. with these people. Okay, um, down in the the south in uh, sort of the Missouri uh, Mississippi area of uh, Texas and Louisiana and uh, Oklahoma and all those places. So, um, they ended up, uh, they loved it because of the wood. It's also the, another name for this tree is the, the Baudark or the Bodark, hmm. which is uh, French for bow wood, literally. Okay. Because apparently the, um, the native people, yeah, they loved using it for um, shooting or making bows and, and different kind of clubs and things like that. It makes sense. You said it was a very hard wood. Exactly. So, they would use it for that. The French saw them, then they named it Bodark. So, people call it the, the Bodark, which is like B-O-I. I-S space D apostrophe A-R-C. Okay. So it's like wild dark. That's not how you say it. Wild Pretty good. Dark. Wild dark. I'm wild taking dark. French right now. <laughs> Are you really? Yeah, it's, a, it's I got it up, but I already took the lesson today, so oh. I'm good. Okay. Anyway, so um, they is famous for this, but that's kind of the only thing that it would be used for, and the tree did not go out. It was in this really tiny range kind of in eastern Texas and, and into Oklahoma and a little bit of Arkansas. Okay. That was it. Like, it was nowhere else. Now it's planted all over the place because it had all these little spikes, and it was really good at getting uh, – um, good at keeping in animals so they used it as hedgerows classically sure. when they didn't have barbed wire so it's like okay well so why why does this thing exist why does this thing it's in the mulberry family which means it has a it's a multiple fruit so it looks like brains it's actually a bunch of little teeny tiny fruit all jammed in together all smashed in and kind of dried and kind of uh, pushed, uh, fused together a little bit. Interesting. Does that make sense? Is this the raspberry principle? It is very, very similar to that. Okay. Yes, exactly. So it's a composite, a very uh, multiple fruit. A composite fruit? Yeah, exactly. I love that. Yeah. That's so fun. Technically, each one of these little like dots that you see, uh-huh. that is the end of one individual fruit, and they're all jammed together to so create this big globe. Little fruit spines. Yeah. And so if you go down to the 
the middle of that big that big fruit. So, hey, you're like, why is it so fleshy? If you go down to the middle, that's where all the seeds are. Okay, yeah. And that's basically what animals will do with it now. So birds will peck out the middle where the seeds are, mm. and then they'll eat the seeds because that's that's where you get all the nutrients. That's that's what they want. It's all the the lipids and the fats that are inside these seeds. Sure. Also, little squirrels will dig in there and they just pull out that middle. They leave the rest. But when they do that, they're actually chewing and eating and destroying the seeds. So it's not a good way for the plant to get spread because it's not eating like a like a raspberry where you eat the whole raspberry. You digest all those fleshy parts, but then all the seeds come out the other end. Right. That happens, and that's a great way to disperse your seed. However, in the Osage Orange, all the animals that eat it now will like break it apart and then eat the seeds in the inside, which destroys the seeds, and it doesn't spread them. Or the the likelihood that they do get spread is, is very, very reduced because most of them get chomped. Is this just because the fruit itself is anachronistic? It, it is. It's not made for these animals? Now you're talking, Alex. Yeah. So what animals was it made for? Mastodon! Triceratops! <laughs> nah, it's probably not. I should, have said, I should have said the other one. Dang it. What was the other one? A saber tooth. Yeah. Well, the saber tooth would have actually probably been trying to eat the mastodon. Wow. Yeah, so that's pretty rough. Some interpersonal conflict. Yeah. Power wow. Rangers. Yeah, that's that's a, that's a whole under under story that no one ever heard about. <laughs> All right, let's not get too far down to that fan fiction. Sure. But what we are going to get into is a list of, uh, this is from a book that we have that I just finished recently. It is called Giant Sloths and Sabertooth Cats, Extinct Mammals and the Archaeology of the Ice Age Crate Basin. Great. So it's not exactly where the Osage Orange is from, but he covers everything very broadly and then goes back down. And it's about the extinctions at the end of the, they call it the quaternary extinctions. Hmm. And it specifically is about a ridiculous amount of large mammals that went extinct all over the world, specifically at the end of the Ice Age, which would have been about 13,000 to 40,000 years ago in the, at the end of the Pleistocene epoch not that long ago really not that long ago and especially with some of these things we're going to talk about in a second like really very recently yeah in geologic time it's yesterday is is that the dodo area era or is Uh, that later no the dodo went extinct in the 1600s oh yeah so a little bit a little bit later (laughs) at fifteen thousand years late yeah yeah just uh, 15 and a half all right Either way, it was um, it was a it was a rough time for things in the world. A lot of things were going extinct. Yeah. So the question is, well, this tree, and this is something that um, a bunch of folks ended up coming up with. Um, probably, I think in the late seventies is initially when these these ideas first started coming out. So there's a guy. His name is Paul S. Martin. Paul S. Martin. Paul S. Martin. And there's another guy named Daniel Jansen. All right. Both of these two people wrote a book. Um, Paul is the a little bit of a controversial figure. Um, I'll talk about that in a second. I've, I've got I've got nicknames for him. Oh, yeah. What do we got? Uh, PSM. Yeah. And Dan Jan. No, oh, Dan Jan, PSM. So Dan Jan, PSM, mm-hmm. they decided uh, they were paying attention to, to things. And they wrote this, uh, this really interesting article called Neotropical Anachronisms, the Fruit the Gonthotheres Ate. Okay. And I was like, okay, what exactly is this? And essentially what their idea is, is they found a bunch of fruit in uh, the Neotropics, which is essentially South American tropics and Central American tropics, mm-hmm. Neo being new and tropics being tropical. Okay. And so they ended up, they were studying down in Costa Rica and they were like, oh my God, 
there's a bunch of plants that have these really weird things that are going on with them. And then uh, a little bit later, a um, another author ended up putting out a book. Her name is Connie Barlow. And Connie Barlow wrote this book that's called Ghosts of Evolution. And it goes into this whole idea of ecological anachronisms, specifically plants, most of the time plants, that evolved some crazy thing that A, is very energy intensive to produce a gigantic fruit the size of an Osage orange, mm-hmm. orange, and to have a um, or a Kentucky coffee tree with these big fat pods. It's in the pea family. Huge, huge, big fat pods that are really fleshy on the inside. Nothing eats them. The uh, another one is the yucca oh, brevifolia. What do we call it these days? The uh, Joshua tree. Oh yes. So the Joshua tree has these really tall, gigantic, big. Uh, inflorescence these float or these in fructescence these fruit heads and flower heads hmm. that pop up but they're way too high for anything to eat so why are they so tall can i can i interject with a quick question oh yeah go ahead so it takes a lot of energy to produce something this big yes but i look at this osage orange yeah and i think that's no bigger than most cones yeah does it take more energy to produce a cone this size or a fruit this size? Um, it would probably, I would say it would probably take, it might be more fruit because there's more like complex chemicals yeah, in and, the fruit. and compounds. Yeah. And the and the cone is almost exclusively woody. Yeah, so they can ju- it's kind of like just rebranding something they already have. Yeah, they yeah. got the, the scrap. Yeah. Now, see, I thought about this as well. So, really, the idea is um, just to kind of round that off, and then I'll talk about the cone idea. Okay. Is for this this dispersal mechanism because it's this big fleshy thing. It wants to be eaten by something. Yes. So the cones, they don't want that. The cones don't necessarily want to be eaten. In fact, the only cones that really do want to be eaten entirely are the tiny little cones of the junipers. Right. Those are teeny tiny meant for birds to go over and eat them and then disperse them or maybe deer. Again, something like that. Whereas this is so big, the whole thing is fleshy, that it's filled with seeds, it's very likely that something wanted to eat or the tree wanted the whole fruit to be eaten in its entirety. I see. Whereas the cones, they're really big, but they have seeds and seeds and seeds spiraling down. So the bigger the cone, the more seeds there are or the more it's protecting itself from something eating the seeds. So a lot of times the size of the cone could be the size of the seed or it could be something that's protecting the cone, trying to keep other animals out from eating the seeds. Mm -hmm. But then when the cone opens up, that's dispersal. There it's going. It's just going and letting all the seeds flutter and fall away or get picked up by an animal. So this, it gets a little bit sort of interesting if you look at the bristlecone pine where it specifically is getting taken from the cones to the uh, a bird by a bird to a bird's hoard, and then it's getting planted there. Mm. So there's a relationship that developed in a very specific way. But then with the Osage orange, that animal, there's nothing that moves them around. When they fall off the tree, they just sit there and rot, or they get eaten by squirrels. Right, and that's kind of it. So it's like, well, what what is the point of that? With the cones, the, those seeds disperse away, and you say, okay, cool. The cone was just the mechanism that the seeds grew on. That then, when it opened up, the seeds went away. This this, the seeds are inside the fruit, so in order for the seeds to go somewhere, the whole fruit has to go somewhere. Yeah. So they're like, well, what is this? Turns out, I think there's something like uh, 37 uh, genre, which is you know multiple for genus, uh-huh. animals, big megafauna that died out 
in the at the end of the late Pleistocene, which would be about between forty thousand and thirteen thousand years ago. So that's genre. So how many species does that translate? Nobody's to? quite sure. Okay, which okay. is uh, probably there's individuals that were it, only single individuals, but there's so many different things that you just can't tell from the bones. Sure. So all they can say is this was a genre of of animal, and we're still probably finding. Yeah. specific species and- exactly and there's and there's just so many that look so similar but mm. not exactly perfect they're like okay we know these are in the same genre but right. we can't tell if they were maybe a different species which it could be like this one has wild hair this one has a really short trunk or you know some weird thing like that this Who one knows? has slightly bigger paws yeah exactly is so- it just a large pod uh, one of those, or is it a different species? Yeah, exactly. So they're like, well, we, we don't know. We can only say that it's a new genre. So 37. Let me just give you uh, uh, some some common names here. Okay. Uh, this is a, a pampathir. Do you know what a pampathir is or a glyptodont? Absolutely not. Yeah, these are just wildly big animals. Um, I can't remember 100% what they were either. Um, glyptodont, I think it's a... Yeah, give that a quick Google. Um, glyptodont, they're kind of like these big shelled animals that look look like prehistoric. Okay. Give us a description. The glyptodon is the body of an armadillo. Yes. With the shell of uh, an armadillo mixed with a tortoise. It kind of looks like a tortoise, yeah. And the head of like a capybara. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's the weirdest thing. That's a mammal. And it's about four feet tall. Yeah. And this shell has a diameter of probably four or five feet. The estimate for um, this one was 2,400 pounds. That is so big. Then... They're like rhino size. They are literally rhino sizes. There were no rhinos, though, in uh, North America that I can tell. There were in Europe and Asia, though. Hmm. There's also ground sloths. Ground sloths that were as big as... As tall as a giraffe and as massive as the biggest elephant you can ever imagine. That's just absurd. There's a short-faced skunk, giant bears, saber-toothed cat, simtar cat, an American cheetah. There were also lions. There were American lions here. Were there tigers and bears? Oh, my. Uh, yeah, but the tigers were more like uh, more like cheetahs, and the uh, the bears were the biggest living predator to ever exist that also has mammary glands what are the giant bears called uh there was the short-faced bear and the giant cave bear there was horses there were tapirs pecchiaries camels llamas deer moose pronghorn i love a different tapir. species of pronghorn you do you like that tapirs are still around yeah but they're just not in north america anymore i see this is uh what all that i'm naming even if there is like there's lions that are still here but the lions that used to live in north america were just a little bit different and a little bit bigger and they no longer exist i know tapirs really quick from 2001 space odyssey oh really they're the animal that the the chimps in the beginning are are killing oh is it nice they they learn how to kill yeah that that's the moment yeah well, there's also ox and uh, mammoths, mastodons, and a gomphothere, which is the fun one. That's like a weird. It, it looks like a smaller, a smaller elephant with tusks that also come straight out cool. from like underneath its chin. Oh my like, god, they're crazy. 
like everyone, you need to look this up. Look up this book, Giants Lost and Sabretooth Cats by Donald K. Grayson. It's incredible. So long story short, Alex, all the things that we named, the sizes go from like 500 pounds to like six tons. Not six, three tons. Okay. And the size is just like out, absolutely outstanding. And they ended up figuring out, wow, it actually is extremely likely that these gigantic megafauna animals that were walking around, if that Osage orange right there was growing from a tree, mm -hmm. they'd be like, oh, wow, this is perfect. It would be like throwing cherries in your mouth right. and just swallowing them whole. And they also had like, you know, massive gullets so they could just eat everything with almost without chewing. All of the outer stuff would get digested. Then the seeds are plopped around again. There mm. you go. You've now created a dispersal mechanism relationship with an animal. That's pretty cool. There's a sad part, Alex. Well, obviously. All of those animals are extinct now. Yeah. And everyone is like, what happened? Like, what what was the, the thing that really, what was the mechanism that all these gigantic mammals went extinct? There's a couple different ideas. Okay. One is uh, what I was talking about with um, the geologist Paul S. Martin, how he said he's a bit of a controversial figure. Oh. He basically wrote a paper and then said that uh, he created the overkill hypothesis. Okay which is the, the big flashy one right off the bat. So the most recent evidence for people like humans, homo sapiens coming into um, what is North America, within the last couple months, they found that there's evidence that people were here as long as 23,000 years ago from today. Okay. Isn't that a crazy amount of time? Yeah. That is back when a lot of these animals mm. were still alive. And the climate was changing. It was going from the last glacial maximum in during the Ice Age. And now all of the glaciers are receding and the whole area is warming up, the whole Earth. So is he saying that the climate change combined with human presence he, killed these things to yes, extinction? He's mostly saying it was humans almost entirely. Wow. So he, that's why it's called the overkill, that people killed too many of them and their populations crashed and they well, all died. How is that controversial? It's controversial because you have to look at the, uh, the ultimate evidence that you have. So what he's arguing is that all of the animals were overkilled and you can't say that without having any evidence. It's kind of just a hypothesis. I see. He's arguing that this hypothesis is true, which is fine. Go ahead and argue that, but... The issue, and um, uh, Donald Grayson goes into this in the book, he names these names specifically, and he says the reason that you can't say that is that we don't have any evidence for that. There's a couple different things. One, you have to assume that people were here during that time when these animals were all here. Mm -hmm. A lot of these animals, the last known time that they existed, which is you know only what we found, we can't say that that was the last one we've ever found, that's the last one that ever existed, right? It's just one that happened to fall in a tar pit that we can say it existed at this point in time. Yeah. So it turns out that we don't have evidence that says that there's like these Clovis points, which are um, essentially arrowheads that um, were on arrows and spears and af um, what is it um, atlatls? Do you know what those are? Oh yes. Yeah. So I love an atlatl. Yeah. So they were probably using atlatls to try to you know throw spears and missiles and get these get these animals down. Yeah. So the thing is, you have to first assume okay, these people were hunters and they were good enough that they could kill a 6,000 pound <laughs> animal and be fine about it. Mm -hmm. and it's like, okay, maybe that's, that's a big leap going from literally coming over onto the continent and then being like, and now I'm also proficient in hunting gigantic mammoths. Yeah. Eh, maybe we were, don't know. Were those, I mean, were similar predators, uh, 
uh, present or were similar was similar game present on ah. their previous continent? Allegedly, yeah, probably because in Africa and in Europe and Eurasia, these animals existed, and all these people would have at some point migrated from Africa out into the rest of the world. Right. So as they were doing that, it's very likely that these animals um, they had seen before, like their cultures of their people. But if you are walking and living, you know, as a hunter gatherer, it's going to take you several generations to get from Saharan Africa, sub-Saharan Africa, where the Serengetis are, where there's all these big, big megafaunal animals, all the way up and over across entire Asia, all of the Russia-Siberia area, across Beringia, the land bridge between Russia and Alaska, mm-hmm. down below the glacial ice into the middle of the plains in North America where there's this weird tree growing with these elephant-like things eating them. That's a long time for your generational sort of uh, teachings to get passed down, which is very possible, very likely that they at least were hunting lots of different animals that entire time, whoever was in front of them, right? Yeah. But the question, uh, the big thing that is brought up is that the animals on North America probably had the dodo syndrome, so to speak, which is they evolved completely away from humans. And they moved on to North America, started doing evolution stuff for literally maybe millions of years, at least certainly hundreds of thousands of years. They worked with this tree and said, listen, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to eat your fruit, okay? And and you just make your fruit as big as possible. And the mm. Osage Orange was like, cool, we, you got you a deal. Several thousands, probably million or so years later, you get these wacky, huge evolved mammals that have evolved with this one specific tree and no predators that look like these wacky humans. So they'll be afraid of the centaur cat. They'll be afraid of the cheetah. They'll be afraid of the lion. But when this two-legged thing walks over, they're just like, what are you? (laughs) This is a funny little thing. Ow, 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 I'm dead. Yeah. So that's what happened with the dodo. Everyone gives the dodo shit for being dumb, which I hate. It's one of my big pet peeves because everyone's like, oh, you're just dumb as a dodo. You ever watch Ice Age, the movie? No, but I I have heard of of calling somebody a dodo for being a dummy. Exactly. So that came from the idea idea that you could just walk up to the islands of Mauritius where this animal lived and you could just be like, hey, and they would just walk up to you and kind of look at you and you just hit it in the head and you kill it. Right. And then maybe they'd scatter and be like, wow, that was weird. And then they, they just had no fear of humans. It's because they'd lived on this island for so long, millions of years, that they evolved away fear entirely. Mm. So the theory goes for overkill. None of these animals had any fear of humans. They were just like, what is this thing? I don't care. It's just like if you're uh, on the Serengeti, the buffalo are not afraid of the uh, elephants, and they're not afraid of the antelope and all these other things. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like they're just like, yeah, I'm not afraid of you, but then you see a lion or a cheetah, they're just like high alert. You know what's going to kill you and what's not. Exactly. So they're like, okay, this thing's not going to kill me. It's tiny. I don't care. It just, they didn't account for, you know, these, you know, weapons. Bambi and Thumper were best friends. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But they were not best friends with the Predator. So anyway, long story long, that's what they that's what they might think it is. Wonderful. Other people think it's climate change, and uh, essentially they say we there's just not enough evidence to point in either direction. However, I know you're going to ask, Casey, what do you think? Casey's just doing my job now. <laughs> what? Casey, what do you think? <laughs> Alex, I think it was people. 
Okay. I you're do. an overkill you're an overkillist. I think I'm an overkillist, but also I am a there's other things going on. So I think it was like just the this perfect storm. Yeah. yeah. The reason I think that I'm seems a, most likely. Don't you think? Like it was the end of an ice age, so the whole climate was changing, it was getting drier, like everything was going like it was a wacky amount of time. Yeah. Nothing is ever as simple as ever uh simple as this one thing caused this one other thing. Yeah, I think exactly. Everything's a web. Even with the uh, like the asteroid that killed the dinosaurs, most of it's like, well, actually, that did this, that then had this, that right. stopped that. You know, all the Permian extinction. It was all these huge, crazy things that happened. Maybe there was one like domino that fell that like started the whole process. The asteroid hit the dinosaurs on the head. Yeah, exactly. Knocked just, them out dead. E- each one, it just kind of bounced around. <laughs> it was the craziest like thing. Like a pinball. It was pretty wild. So in this case, the, uh, I think that the people uh, the people had a big deal because it's happened time and time again sure. everywhere except Eurasia and Africa. Mm. There's so fewer extinctions in these areas that as you go out to, say, Australia 40,000 years ago, the first evidence of hominids going there, all of a sudden massive extinctions. There you go. You do the same thing in Mauritius. There's a bunch of birds and the dodo that was killed as soon as people got there. So, North America conceivably would be the same thing, but we can't prove it because we can't show that, yes, this was embedded in this animal and it killed it at the same time. It's a lot of nuances with geology and archaeology. Something you and I are both experts on. Quite expert. Therefore, we are probably going to write a Wikipedia page about this. (laughs) Overkill or nothing. Yeah. But what's really interesting to wrap this all into what we're talking about today, this Osage Orange, is that this plant as well as a bunch of others and this book um, by connie barlow the ghosts of evolution talks about all these different plants and even covers the osage orange and we have a great article that talks about this as well from american forests and it's just so curious to think about these animals evolving with this plant and then all of a sudden the animals go away the plants kind of stuck with this and the way they describe it is it's literally not even been a blink of an eye for a tree. Mm. In fact, I think someone did a calculation. They said, well, if a tree can live one of these for maybe 200, 250 years, then over the last 13,000 years, when the last like sloth went extinct, in fact, did you know the uh, uh, mammoths, woolly mammoths, they were still alive. The last ones died on an island, like Wrangler Island hmm. in uh, off of the coast of Alaska. They died like... Within 2,000 years, uh, I think like 2,600 years ago or something crazy like that. Really? That that recent. Wow. They they literally, they said that there was living woolly mammoths somewhere in the world at the time that the Egyptians were building all of their, all of their, their pyramids. That's wild. And we just didn't know about them. I love those like, those like history crossovers. Yeah. Like these people were doing this thing at the same time as this thing going on over here. It's crazy. Yeah. Anyway, I'm just kind of stunned about that. All these plants in the blink of an eye, it's been what, 52 generations, I think is what they calculated. Okay. If it was just 250 years that each one lived, which is, is, is an evolutionary just, Clack, like snap of your fingers. Yeah. So these trees, uh, the way they describe it in this article, they're like the trees probably don't even know that the animals don't exist anymore. <laughs> if the trees were able to be like, hey, where's, man, I haven't seen my glyptodon pal in like <laughs> a couple generations. This is so weird. That's anyway. wild. Yeah. So that's why the Osage Orange is so huge is that it had developed for a mammoth. Wow. Ah! 
Casey, I think that's a great time to get into our review of the Osage Orange. I think that makes sense. I, I feel like we should also give a review for a mammoth. But okay. That might be a different podcast. Should you Mastodon? Ooh, yeah, you sure can. Cool. Here's how we do it. We're going to give her some final thoughts on this tree and then give it a rating of 0 to 10 Golden Cones of Honor. As our resident expert, we will begin avec toi. Uh, merci. All right. So I... I I think I gave away a little that I just think this tree is spectacular. Yeah, you seem to like it. I I think it's a it's a unique tree at least in in our part of the world. And what I think is interesting is that it's a uh it's just not planted very much as a street tree as a as a uh a commonly planted tree mm-hmm. other than as historically for hedges in like, you know, the middle of the Midwest to keep animals in or keep animals out. One of the two. So, okay, that's cool. That's great. You know, it's fun. It's nice. Uh, But I think it should be planted more. This is a tree that I think is unique in that it has these giant apple fruit. I know, Alex, if everyone was like, we have them everywhere. These fruit are really annoying. No horses eat them. No cows eat them. What's the point? I get it. But right now, they're still a novelty to me. And you can plant them without having the fruit and get these really tough trees that can take like every possible conditions that you have. I think that's really great. So they're getting points for having unique fruit. They get points for being trees that can take any condition. However, uh, they also get points, I think, for being kind of an underdog, you know? Wow. Because they're just like, they kind of they kind of got screwed over. If you believe, I, I don't know if I believe this one guy 100%. Overkill, eh, not the whole story. Mm. But I bet you it's a big part of the story. So I'm I'm there with that. So I'm kind of like hey, your 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 partner in, in crime here uh, is is been completely taken away from you. I don't blame people for doing it. They didn't know what they were doing, so it's just kind of like they got too good at doing something. If the overkill hypothesis is correct, otherwise it's just a change in climate. Yet you see this tree might have been just a little bit too specialized. So I think I kind of got to give it a little bit of a, you you get some sympathy points uh, because your partner has been completely wiped off the face of the planet. Eh, Okay, some sympathy. Something you wish would happen. (laughs) Oh, Alex, under no circumstances. You're my Osage Orange. I want you to call me (laughs) Gomphathir. I refuse. What? Come on. So I I think I'm gonna give the Osage Orange like an easy an easy like six point nine. Nice. Yeah, six point nine because eh, if I think if I go up to seven, then it's gotta be at least a hundred feet tall. Oh, okay. However, I love I love this tree. I think it needs to be planted more, mm-hmm. especially in the streets, because we have cultivars that work great. It takes the worst possible conditions. So it's like, well, why not? It's a great tree, yeah. great little thing, it's got little spikes on it, so you can every now and then be like, Hey, and the tree will, the tree will be like, Don't touch me. It's pretty cool. I think that's great. 6.9 Golden Cones of Honor. 6.9, a tree that's got it all, but it also has experienced some sadness. You know, this tree, it's got, uh, it's it, you know, it's cried. For the Osage Orange. There you go. Casey Clapp, dendrologist extraordinaire. Uh, dendrologist Gomphathir. <laughs> oh, yes. What is it? Say the whole word again. Gomphathir. Gomphathir. Yeah, I believe it's G-O-M-P-O-T-H-E-R-E. Gomphathir. Gompathir. Yeah, it could be Gompathir. I see. I don't know. Uh, Casey, I think the Osage Orange is pretty groovy, man. Yeah, specifically the fruit. It, you know why? I don't know why, but it, it remind, it's kind of it's got kind of a seventies vibe to it. You think so? <laughs> I don't know why. Hey, give, um, it, give it. Yeah, whatever works. A uh, maybe a, a 
I don't know. I, I look at it and I think that looks like maybe like a decoration that would go mm. in a household in the 70s. Okay, I see what you're saying. Uh, aesthetically. I like that it was eaten by our our dead friends, the Mastodon, the, Mastodon. the giant sloth, yeah. the saber tooth. I like that era of animals. Mm, yeah, gotcha. Um, not quite dinosaurs, not quite modern. Yeah. They're sort of like the, you know the uh the olympians of of the if if yeah. the dinosaurs were the the cronus era yeah i see of gods, what you're right so that's like the, the, the titans yes excuse me. thank you the these guys are the olympians a little younger you. a little hipper yeah a little yeah okay yeah 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 it's a little hip um, i feel like uh I'm, I'm picturing like um like a, a a giant sloth with like a cool comb over or yeah, something you yeah. know wearing bell bottoms cool portland haircut uh yes i want that uh you know, Osage, okay. What? I'm giving it a 6.5. 6.5? Hey, that's pretty good. Man. Yeah. It's I'm not that. I, I don't, you know how sometimes uh, like a tree will earn like a really solid mm. something, like yeah. a, a solid 8.0 or a solid yeah, 7.0. like it stuck the landing. Yeah, this is kind of a so-so 6.5. Okay, I see. So you're not you're not quite convinced. Nah, I don't 70s really. weren't your favorite era. No, nah, I'm not crazy about it, okay. but I like that you like it. I like the things my friends like. Yeah. Hey, that really. Thank uh, you. Yeah. I'm gonna start voting really high to see if I can just get all the all the trees to get a high ru- uh, rating from you. It may work. Yeah. Well, it might. But also, you're you're quite discerning uh, discerning person. You you have a lot of cones, all of which are your own. That's true. But sometimes my cones are. I, I don't care much about my cones, and I, I give them out like candy at a parade. You're like a you're like a you're like an Osage orange just dropping its fruit. And me like I don't care. That's right. I think that's probably Too why, yeah, it's, it, exactly. It drops them all at one time because it grows it out with such hope in the spring and then nothing comes and it's just like, <sighs> that is <laughs> a Pixar short waiting to happen. It is. Oh my God. The sad Osage orange <laughs> until it meets a friend. And then the last giant sloth comes along. <laughs> oh, Alex. What do you think about this theory that Bigfoot is actually a giant sloth? Uh, Sounds like a good theory. That has somehow survived. It starts walking on two two legs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The giant sloth, if it needs to reach something, it would it would come up on two legs. Well, then I think uh, many years ago, we had a podcast and someone asked us this question. And I remember that we didn't bring up South America. This is the only place that people, like, there's an inkling of like a maybe- that there's still a ground or a giant sloth somewhere down there, just like crunching around through the forest. Be pretty cool. Allegedly, some uh, some people in the 1900s they went down there and they talked to some some locals and they're like, "Yeah, I've killed something like that." Well, every every you know, hey, backwoods <laughs> hillbilly in in <laughs> Missouri or Florida is like, yeah. I've seen the swamp ape. Yeah, yeah. oh, I, I killed Sasquatch. Everybody says he's not there. I've seen him. <laughs> I've seen him thrice. <laughs> Casey, yeah, right, I guess that's fair. <laughs> Casey, it's time for a game. It's a classic game when they played early on in season one, I believe. Ah, yeah. But with a bit of a twist, it's Binomial Bonanza. Here's how the game works. Or should I say, usually works. Ooh. I would stumble and fumble through a list of binomial names for trees, and you would very quickly give me the common name, Casey. We wanted to play this game kind of recently, but there there was a problem. I have become too adept yep. at reading binomial names. It's the worst part about this podcast. <laughs> and the game kind of lost its charm. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> you started pronouncing everything correctly. Yeah, or at least not having too much trouble. Yeah. The twist today is that you, Casey, are reading the names, yep. and I am giving you the the common the common name yes yeah. i'm still gonna do the the uh rather we're just switching the the roles here yep and instead of looking through the sibling guide we're gonna look through our catalog that's right and each of you if you're new to the show it turns out that we've now got officially 51 shows this is the 51st five one so we're gonna go back through the catalog and we're gonna see if alex remembers what we did way back when wow give us 30 seconds on the clock 30 Whoops, I almost made it for 30 minutes. That's a whole different game. <laughs> we just are keep going. Uh, 30 minutes is up, Alex. You got through five of these. <laughs> you only got through five. Uh, uh, 30 seconds on the clock, Casey. All right, Alex, are you ready? I'm ready, and we begin now. Name this tree. Fraxinus Pennsylvanica. Ooh. Pass. <laughs> All right. All right, that's a pass. All right, the next one. Pinus Longeva. Longeva. Longleaf pine? No, we haven't covered that. Mm-hmm. Uh, pass. Okay, pass again. Alex, the next Wait, one. Wait, what is it? You have to tell me. Oh, I do? Oh, I, I was just, you just wanted to pass, maybe get it at the end. Well, we're out of time. Ah. Oh. Um, <laughs> I don't think that format works. <laughs> I'll go faster. <laughs> you also can't start with, okay, the first tree is. <laughs> I've already wasted 10 seconds, Casey. <laughs> I, should, well, I should do the timing myself. I'm we're going gonna, gonna, gonna to gonna do it in a minute. Yeah, okay, let's, get, let's give you a minute on the clock. <laughs> All right, if you're hearing this, it means we just edited out the disaster that our first pass was. No, no, no. We're editing nothing this time. And, uh, the unseasoned. We edit nothing. It sounds good to me. <laughs> uh, we're putting one minute on the clock. Okay. Casey. Here you go. Begin. Fraxinus Pennsylvanica. Uh, the Pennsylvania, that would be uh, the something of the four, the something in the East Coast. I don't know. Okay. Pinus longeva. Uh, uh, some kind of pine. That's correct. Uh, longeva. Don't know. Close. Quercus ilex. Quercus ilex. Ooh. Ilex. Uh... Ilex aquifolium is the English oak, so that's got to be, the, or the English holly, that's got to be the English oak. Or the British oak? Uh, close enough. The, the common ho- oak. The home oak. It is the home oak. It's a holly oak or the home oak. It is a British tree. Yeah, okay, I got one right. Suga heterophylla. Pseudosuga heterophylla? Nope, just suga. That's a hemlock. Yes. Heterophylla, lover of light. Not correct. That is the western hemlock. Next one, Fagus grandifolia. Fagus grandifolia. Pass. Time's up. Now, Casey. Alex. This went awful. Well, you just, you, we just got to keep going. I think, I, th- I think we're just going to go. No time. Okay, keep going. All right, you ready? Yep. Vicellia tortilis. Uh, that is, I think I, I said the same thing when we recorded that episode. That sounds like a pasta dish. Yes. <laughs> you did. I don't know what it is. I think you should be saying what it is when I, once I don't know. Uh, I don't think we're coming back to any of these. I don't know it. What's the I point wanna, of coming back to we'll it? Let's go back to it. Why not? All right. The first one, Fraxinus Pennsylvanica, green ash. Hold on. Hold the clock. Okay. Thank you. The second one, bristlecone pine, pinus longeva. Bristlecone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, you got this one right. You got this one right. Quercus ilex, home oak. Home oak. Suga heterophylla. You got this one half right. It's a hemlock, but heterophylla is denoting the western hemlock. All right, next, Casey. All right, umbrella thorn, Vichelia tortilis. 
Okay. All right. You ready for your second half? I'm ready. Here we go. All right. Let's get that clock running again. Looks like we're only at 10 seconds, Alex. You'll be going amazingly <laughs> fast. All right. Salix Nigra. Black Willow. That's correct. Thank you. Juglins Nigra. Black Walnut. Nice. All right. This is a good one. Jacaranda Mimosifolia. Jacaranda. God, he's good. Acer Palmatum. That is a maple. Yes. Palmatum is uh, pal- palmate leaves. Correct. That is the sugar maple. Incorrect. No, no, no. That is the... I don't know. Japanese maple. Japanese maple. Point five. Corylus avalana. Is that again? Corylus avalana. Corylus avalana. Mm-hmm. Wow, I've never heard that before. It's the filbert. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Maristica fragrance. Oh, fragrance. Maristica fragrance. I think it's. I said it was like a magical fragrance. Yeah. I uh, get is, you a little high. Oh, nutmeg. That's it. I nutmeg. do good with the clues. Thank you. All right. Here's your bonus. Uh-huh. You ready? Coffea arabica. That's the coffee. Incorrect. That is Wait. hops. <laughs> oh shit. Alex got that one wrong. <laughs> Don't look it up. <laughs> correct, Alex. That me. was correct. That we was coffee. We did that coffee. for a Patreon. Now here's your next bonus. Also not a tree. Punica granatum. Punica gran. Oh, pomegranate. Well done. All right, let me do the calculations. All right. So, you know what that reminded me of? Uh, I am now telling the computer exactly what he could do with 10,000 chocolate bars. <laughs> I, I don't know. know. That's not the line. But what is that from? It's Willy Wonka when he's when the, the scientist at the beginning. It's like on, in that montage of when he after he announces the contest. <laughs> and the, the guy's like, we've developed a machine to tell us exactly where the golden tickets are. And he's like <laughs> typing info into beep, it. Boop, 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 beep. And yeah. the computer like talks back to him. Sounds about right. I love that. It's a chocolate computer. I love that scene. All right, Alex. What, how did I do, Case? 1.5, 2, 3, 4.5, 5, 6. You got 6 right. Out of? Out of? Like 15? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, including the two bonus. Okay. I mean, that's about as well as I did on any uh, college exam. Hey, that's pretty good. But I did give you 10 extra points for the two bonus ones. So technically, you got 26 out of 14. That's a double point. Hell yeah. Great job, Alex. Thank you, Casey. You literally got 200% right. Yeah, well... That sounds like me. That sounds like you. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Uh, yeah, that went okay. That was my favorite game I've ever played. Casey, it's time for a completely arbitrary <laughs> Q&A. Today, we have a question from Osvaldo Gonzalez. Hello, Mr. Gonzalez. Hello, Mr. Gonzalez. Hello, Casey and Alex. Greetings from Great Lakes, Illinois. I had two questions about dwarf and leafy mistletoe. Ah, okay. The first one is, how do they invade trees? Ah, this is great. The second question mm-hmm. is... Were they always dependent on trees to survive, or were they solitary plants that evolved into parasites? Love the podcast, and happy holidays from Fungal Associate, Ozzy. Ozzy, good to hear from you. Ozzy uh, attached two photos of dwarf mistletoe. Uh, It doesn't look like mistletoe to me. Yeah, it doesn't really, right? It looks like 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 berries or something. 
Yeah, and that's that's kind of what uh, that's kind of what it does. It, what it looks like. The, I mean, the berries are the fruit. That's actually where it comes from. Mistletoe. Um, I believe it means like uh, seed stick or something like that. Okay. Or sticky stick. I don't think it means that. But essentially... <laughs> probably sticky stick. I think that's probably what it is. Ah, yes. Sticky stick. Uh, what it means is, uh, or what it's referencing, rather, is that the seed is really sticky. And usually birds would poop it out and that sticky seed would stick on the stick of the tree. And then this is how it actually does it. So um, it's not exactly roots. It's called hucaria, I believe, is the, or hysteria is the name of the uh, of the aerial roots that grow from the the plant itself, which it is green and it can photosynthesize, or at least it used to be able to. And then it sends these roots into, which are, you know, they're modified roots. Mm-hmm. They send them into the um the under the bark where they actually burrow into the bark wow. in the vascular system of the tree. It's Brutal. pretty freaky, isn't it? That's like way more invasive than I when I when I read invasive I was imagining that it just grew on the outside of the bark ah. and just hung out and blocked light huh. like a holly might yes exactly or like uh, ivy or ivy is yeah. what I was imagining yes yeah totally um, but this is this is brutal this is some surgical it's, implementation it and it's also it's like really I, I, it's not freaky it's not quite the word I'm looking for but like. It's gross. Yeah, you know, it's, like it's really gross. Yeah, we saw one in Bend, and it was a, a dwarf mistletoe that tend to grow on conifers mm-hmm. um, in North America specifically, I think. And they ended up. It, it's just like these little like thing gr- things growing, like little plants that are growing from the otherwise completely closed off bark mm. of a of a tree branch. Wow. It looks gross because you, you picture anything with a parasite and the parasite like comes unnaturally from it and you're just like, oh, oh, that's unclean. Yeah. It's exactly what it looks like. Parasites, so, why do they have to be so gross? I, yeah, I don't like, know. Aesthetically. I think it's a I think it's a biological thing because that tells you like don't eat it, don't get close to it. You that thing Clever. is not uh yeah, it's it's completely gross because it's really bad for us because we get the parasite. Wouldn't the parasite want to blend in and not be gross? Yes, but I, I think that it's not the parasite looking pretty. It's us yes. thinking that it looks gross. Exactly, because it, we've been wow. like genetically predisposed to say stay away from that. That's pretty cool. For millions of years. Yeah. Very cool. It's just like why some things smell bad and some things smell good. Our body's like, ooh, bad. Don't, don't do that. Don't eat it. But then you find those people that think it smells good. Exactly. Freaks. Like the cilantro people. Oh, wow. You can't eat cilantro. Yeah. Hannah can't eat cilantro. That's too bad. Yeah. Um, but the, the second part of this question is where did they come from? So there's two schools of thought. No one's quite 100% sure. Um, did this initially start as a plant that grew up the side of a tree, like a vine, and then just over time sent out roots that started growing into the bark itself? Like they just somehow did that? Yeah. Maybe. The other idea would be that it was already an epiphytic plant that started on the ground and then slowly but surely um, adapted to grow up in the canopy of a tree, and epiphyte is what that's called. So it's any tree that grows on top, or any plant that grows on top of another plant, specifically trees, because obviously they're big enough to hold these things up. Anytime you see like weird uh, orchids and weird plants growing in like some really wild tropical forest tree, that is just one tree covered in epiphytes. Trees don't like to be covered in epiphytes. So it's very likely that it could be one or the other. I think most likely what people are thinking is that the second or the the uh, the idea that the tree initially grew up the tree and then started parasitizing 
parasitizing it. That's what I think most people are thinking is the case. You know I love that word. Yeah. Parasitize! I didn't know you loved it so much. I think we talked about this in a Patreon. That word sounds like uh, you know something that Ozzy Osbourne himself would scream into mm. the into a microphone. Yeah, okay, that's true. Yeah, parasitize. Yeah, it's very ah. like it's very like eighties metal sort yeah. of like or seventies metal. Yeah, you know? totally. I that's exactly what this is. I think you got it right. So the the idea would be that this uh, this plant grew up from the ground and kind of was a long vine and then ended up parasitizing. Yeah, a branch and grew these these roots that now modified and um, they're called again Hastoria. H-A-U-S-T-O-R-I-A. Hastoria. Cool. And they then decided, hey, I don't need to send these roots all the way to the ground. I can just send it straight into this branch. And then that became wildly successful, and the tree essentially is like, I don't even need to photosynthesize anymore. But probably it had to photosynthesize at some point, so it just hasn't lost that ability, which is why it's still green and has photosynthetic things in it. Whereas there are other parasitic plants that grow in the ground that are 100% like white. They have no, they've lost all their chlorophyll. They don't care. Hmm. They just grow straight from the roots of trees that are already there. Interesting. Yeah. So that uh, that is what it is. And this is, um, there's a lot. And man, there's so many different mistletoes. There's, there's just there's a lot of them. Cool. They grow in uh, in all all parts of the world, all over the place. And there's a bunch of different varieties. They're all like in one big family or one big order that kind of comes out. I think they're in the Sandalaceae, which is the sandalwood family. Hmm. Yeah. Anyway. Well, that's so, a that was a very provoking question and a pretty interesting one. Thank so, you, Ozzy. Yeah. I mean, it, the the idea of parasitism is it's just weird where one plant would do it to another. Feels like a feels feels very attacking. Feels like it? a topic for an episode of completely arbitrary. I guess it does. Uh, if you have a question about trees, email us at arbitrarypod at gmail.com. That's A R B O R T R A R Y pod. Or join us on Instagram at arbitrarypod and you can follow all of our stuff there. Hey, if you want to support the podcast, we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash arbitrarypod. You can become a member of the Arboretum and get two bonus episodes a month. Or Join the very prestigious Cone of the Month Club Ooh. and get a unique die-cut cone sticker sent to you every month, illustrated by an independent artist, Casey Clapp. Alex Croson. Uh, thanks for being here. Thanks for being my Osage Orange. Thanks for being my Mastodon. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Completely Arbitrary. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Completely Arbitrary is produced by Alex Croson and Casey Clapp. Our artwork is by Jillian Barthold, and our music is by Aves and the Mini Vandals. And you can support the podcast at patreon.com slash arbitrarypod. And find additional readings at completelyarbitrary.com. Thanks for listening. 